Welcome to episode 75 of Tactical Crouch, but this one will be known as the first ever Overwatch League recap episode or something else. I'm Kick Tripod, joined with Yiska and Volnell. Before we jump into it, though, uh, quick reminder, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch or subscribe right here at twitch.tv slash kicked tripod. We're also on a new schedule, so if you missed the announcement last week, you're tuning in for the first time, missed our tweets about it, we're going to be going live on Mondays and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific for our Overwatch League recap and preview episodes. We're going to split it up a little bit. We'll explain it in a second, but uh, as this is our first recap episode, here's a little bit more about how the format is going to work. Since we're doing two shows a week, these episodes are probably going to be a little bit shorter and are going to be, this one particularly is going to be focusing on what happened over the weekend. So if any news happens, we're going to cover it and we're also going to cover the results, implications of those results and anything else that is kind of noteworthy from that. We're going to post the show everywhere as soon as we can edit the show and we'll also split it up a little bit later on if we need to into different clips. Um but we're going to kind of play that one by uh, ear. And then from there on Wednesday, we'll do our preview episode, which is going to preview the upcoming homestands uh, or in this case for this week, homestand. So yikes, huh? Yikes. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, okay, we'll talk do. about that at the, at the preview episode. We won't talk mm-hmm. about it during the recap episode. Instead, let's talk about last week's, epi- or not episodes, last week's matches. But first, big thank you to our patron producers, Battle Crab Made Pin, Lotion, Charlie Ellen, Audio Compass, for supporting the show. We really appreciate you. All right. Yiska, let's go, let's go 40,000 feet or 12,000 meters in the sky, if you will. Okay. And uh, let's, let's discuss... Just the overall weekend, I think, first. Um, mm-hmm. This is the first time where we had two homestands going at once. This is the first time that we've seen the new homestand m- method be like actually fully implemented versus one weekend over the past week. Uh, how did you feel about it, I think, overall? Um, I think for this one, it was kind of enjoyable in the sense that you had back-to-back homestands. Which isn't, by the way, a given, especially once we go into China and Europe. Even though I think Europe might actually work that way, I'm not sure. Um, but in that regard, it was um, great. I thought both teams did a pretty good job. I also was sort of anticipating these hiccups in terms of everything that, I, like, we had a couple of criticisms. Uh, points of criticism especially that the community leveled at them from like not having the scrim uh environments that um they were supposedly like imagining to have i I think everyone that watched this show over the last half year or a year knows that this was going to happen 
the production, some of it was obviously obnoxious, like the crunch time stuff, especially Did in you say like a crunch time. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's there. The cheese at oofs. <laughs> nice. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I think in general, um, I I found myself just like after having watched all the matches back to front, staying up at night, and then on the second day, the first series was done, and I was like, oh, there's only six more hours of Overwatch, and that kind of feels bad. So I'm definitely digging, like, finally getting some games going. Uh, some some very good games. Um, observing at New York was, in my opinion, very good. They ca caught a lot of uh, important plays, focused on the uh, important players. Um, of course, you cannot ha have a 100% hit rate or hit chance, especially probably in this meta with it being so unexplored and ever-changing now. So yeah. overall, I'm, I'm actually kind of in a positive mood about how everything went down. Yeah, I think, I think it's really easy to kind of like, you know, we can make the Cheez-It jokes all we want and stuff. And production definitely had issues i think outside of the games themselves but we even saw some pause during the games and stuff which i don't know like isn't unexpected if i'm being honest you're setting up and tearing down so much equipment week after week it's gonna take the crews everywhere a little bit of you know settling in i think for that to really start running uh smoothly um I don't know. It was it was good. I think uh, I, I know we were joking a ton about the seventh man <laughs> in Discord over the weekend, but um, I think I do think that it ended up being uh, a really great thing for home teams and fans to be able to go there. And I do think that that's going to be a factor as we move into um, just this more home and away type. Uh, thing. The one thing I did notice, though, YouTube quality sucks, huh? Yeah, not great. Unfortunately, yeah. It's not. not it was not great at all. No. Um, I I tried to watch on the MLG uh, website, but the thing is, you can't rewind. So YouTube has this nice yeah. thing where you can like pause it, rewind it, all in in the same feed. So it's really easy to go back and watch a play again, and then you can catch up during the two minute breaks and, and that was really like nice to be able to do. But the, um, just like the overall quality of it, I felt like was lacking, even though the bit rate was being sent significantly higher. I don't know if it was an encoding issue on the overwatch league. And I know call of duty. I was really unhappy with the quality as well. Um, so I don't know, but I think the desk was really good. I liked having Reinforce and, and Custa, and then they switched between Achilles and Wolf and Zoe on there. I think it'll grow. Um, I think they need time to kind of like get a bearing for what they want to do. I know um, while we were watching the games, just got pointed out, you know, the lack of Telestrator definitely sucks. Um, and I have to yeah. agree with that. Like, um, there was one point that Johnny was attempting to make and it was just being kind of long and long winded and verbose. And I think 
the the essence of the idea was really interesting and i think it would have been better for a telestrator segment instead of just being like this long-winded well okay if x happens and y can happen and then b and then c and then you know all of these different you know parts of this this point hmm. that he's trying to make you're you're already lost and you only have about five minutes to to get through a death segment so, so uh, to be fair that that actually was also so the 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 timing of this moment if i recall correctly yeah was that there actually was time to bridge to because like the second day were basically stomps and they sure. had like 30 had minutes to bridge to fill, 40 yeah. so there i, think, I, think I want to see these telestrator segments totally. just breaking that stuff down and i especially for the uh, points that johnny was making the point by the way totally not devalued by sinatra saying lul i just said i want to play doom in comms like that's just a subconscious way at arriving at the same point. Yes. Yes. I feel like it's called so, intuition. Yeah, uh -huh. pretty much. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think for these occasions, that's where you want to have the telestrator segments uh, in the future, or or just be able to break the show up into different segments, and you know, you have like the whole, you know, this segment sponsored by Cheez Its, and you know, the the. Uh, what was it? The Sour Patch Kids last season, you know, whatever moment turned it into something sweet, whatever. Um, I would like to see like off off desk, you know, somebody working with clips and working as like a telestrator. Um, if anybody's familiar with the UFC, um, Dan Hardy does a great breakdown show. But I think you could kind of take the essence of that and apply it to to the Overwatch League desk, especially when you do have these three O stomps. I want to see that expanded out. I want to see Custa and Reinforce use their former you know, knowledge and, and really kind of flex their brains because so far it's fine. I mean, I, I don't see a huge uh, difference in quality from last year in terms of like what's being said, but I think obviously that can increase. Uh, but, but so far, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. I, th I want to see it grow a little bit more. I want to kind of revisit this point, you know, mid season and towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think it was a great start. Um, like I, I think I don't think there was a single part of this entire weekend that can't be criti criticized. Um, you know, definitely wasn't a flawless launch. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I, I was. I guess maybe maybe my expectations were set too low <laughs> on what to expect from a desk a desk segment uh, to be you know to begin with. But I thought it was great. Uh, I expect long-winded analytical answers from Johnny when he talks. So I don't know. Like I guess it's just like, of course, it's it's reinforce. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really have much more to say other than um, I thought the meta that we saw this weekend was pretty interesting. It was pretty yeah. surprising. A lot of McCree, Widowmaker, Tracer. We saw a little bit here and there. A lot of different Get, things. Sabi Olby on Tracer again and just reminding me why they developed that third-party camera, <laughs> following yeah. camera. It's like, oh, I'm getting sick. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, Joe. Like, was this kind of the meta you were expecting to see? Or Oh, 100%. Um, I think from what we were kind of overhearing, what, you know, was being shown through you know social media channels you know a lot of ryan a lot of may you you did see some teams try to pilot the ryan arisa to a to a strong degree but kind of 
fiddling about at least preseason, but now mm-hmm. he seems to be quite a lock, um, especially into the Reaper. Um, but in general, yeah, I would say this is this is pretty expected. Um, but I think the big the big kind of question in my mind is how this might change come hero pools. You know, May seems to be like a standard, like you're not getting off of May, you're not getting off of Ryan. Unless you're obviously the Vancouver Titans, but they're I think they're a, they're a, they're a, they're a different animal. We will we'll talk about them a little bit later. But what uh, what what heroes are going to get moved? How does that change things? That's that's kind of what I'm looking at because if if the pools aren't as big, if it's not as random as they make it out to seem, you know, May goes away. What does this meta look like then? So it, it's pretty interesting. But yeah, to to answer the question, I think it it's pretty pretty on the nose on exactly what we were expecting. To be honest, I I would have thought that Western teams had even more variety outside. You know, this basically like I don't know German ice skating core. You know, like Lucio May uh, Reinhardt, and then a lot of picks were substituted. Like uh, sure. support was uh, rotated around, and then the, the off tank as well, and then of course DPS as well. Right, like the the one drop totally. DPS always seemed to be flex- the flexible part in uh, the vast majority of cases. So I thought we'd see even more variety, but I also think it sort of converged in that particular scrim bubble we saw. Like, okay, no. Actually, like, of course, those some of those scrim bu- bubbles were colliding necessarily because sure. they form in the first place also just because of uh, ping differences or, you know, in- infeasibility of scrimming there, but also because teams play against each other. So I thought we would see even more diversity and we saw some. I thought it would be even more and I wonder... Um, once the Asian teams come in, and we don't know when, mm-hmm. um, uh, if we will see a, a different take, because I feel like we we'll, we'd see otherwise a lot more Sombra than we did. Totally. And I think that once we do get the Asian teams in, I think you're going to see, if if we could just, you know, remove hero pools from the equation for a moment, I think we we kind of talked about this pretty early on in the preseason, that with the regional differences, with, you know, being able to practice only against teams in those specific regions, you're going to have very large bubbles. And it's always even nice to see that there's tiny little bubbles popping up inter-regionally as well. So I think once, to your point, once we do get those Asian teams, I think things would have mixed up, but you know, hero pools are a different beast. Mm -hmm. I do think it's interesting that the all Korean teams did at one point or another run dive uh, where we didn't really see the the Western teams run that, right? You saw NYXL ran dive. You saw Titans run dive. I believe we saw Paris at one point run a version of it. I could be misremembering. I thought I remember there was a push on... I think Boston oh, ran I might take on that Oasis. Back. I might take so that Austin back. Sorry, which Oasis. team are you t- uh, saying ran dive? NYXL ran dive. Yeah. Yes. And yep. Vancouver Titans ran dive. Defined Ren dive, a weird dive, but like on defense horizon where they had like uh, oh, and then it immediately on the rafters, yeah. doom. No, no, yeah. they actually held the okay. They failed hel- holding a, but yeah. they completely yeah, and then, held yes, yes, yes. B for the entire duration with that co- composition, if yes. I recall correctly. They, yes, and, and they they stopped them pretty hard. They stonewalled them at B. Yeah, but on a, it was a mess. Yes, yes, but but I think that's the point of that comp to like sort of for sake a and then have the the 
the rafters and that's a map peculiarity sure. in the sense that you never have that high ground this inaccessible to non-dive characters on any other map practically because yeah. of the the structure and then they could just pick the targets that they wanted to and then they had the EMPs and whatnot, and like totally. Doom was in position, and Beast could drop on on them. I mean, playing Monkey wasn't fun, but it worked somehow. It was effective, at yeah. least in in for, forcing out a couple of defensive cooldowns, and then you just clean up. I I thought that was kind of an interesting take, actually, one of the more interesting strategies that we. Saw I I don't know if I necessarily agree that the whole plan was to just sack a i think they just kind of botched a i think they wanted Could to either be. fight in the choke in that main choke where teams tend to funnel in or as they walk up the stairs on that farthermost side next to like this the outside area where you yeah. go into like space and zero g's i think that's that that's where they wanted to take the fight but if i remember correctly and chat can correct me if i'm if i'm wrong i think they used the uh, symmetra teleporter to kind of circumvent those choke points and it really messed things up and i don't know that they had a uh, a good execute on retaking once they got onto the point. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if I'd agree that they were just supposed to cap or, or just sack a, um, but it definitely showed how how good they were at the composition and, and their plan on B. So I, I definitely give that credit. Yeah, it was exciting to watch at the very least. I think a lot of the excitement just has to do with it being the first time we've seen competitive Overwatch in a few months, and it True. comes back and it's not what we saw at the end of season two and. We're seeing a lot of brand new players and a lot of brand new teams. And you're kind of in a point where I think I, you know, and this is, I think a lot on the observers, but um, the kind of carry DPS playing across may was just a focal point of whatever we were watching. Right. So you got to see uh, exciting players like XZ. You got to finally see, you know, like a, a striker point of view on a McCree. I mean, we saw that on Oasis where he basically single-handedly, yeah, that was so sick. Uh, mm. You know, so it was it was exciting to see. You saw Logics on Widowmaker uh, in Havana. That was pretty fun. I'm going to need some candles, yes, guy. I think we need to break out the old Lord Logic shrine. Oh, I yeah. Think we need to break that out. I'm yeah. just saying. If, if, if you want to treat man. Yeah, well, yeah, I, th I think we need to go into that whole Reaper pick and, and that whole philosophy. But if you want to if you want to treat, go ahead and, and go on to use Yiska's uh, YouTube channel and sift through some of the older videos and, and you'll find some some Lord Logic's uh, uh, prayers, let's say some say I think it's actually on G rated, but oh, yeah, is it? Um, yeah, yeah. But the um, the thing is, I felt like Logic said something to prove, maybe. And I'm actually uh, like I I just released a piece on on that particular match right like between uh, the Define and the Eternal mm -hmm. and of course like if you think about that match what stood out was like uh, that play where he like gets up in um, Havana C and just hits hits XC and uh, the the headline for that particular clip I chose is um, Logics puts X in these eyes. Haha. <laughs> I find it is cool. Joe, please. That's actually sick. Um bars. <laughs> bars. Okay. Oh yeah, you got that growing on stream. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, even the, the frags before that frag were actually quite impressive and Oh uh, definitely. One hundred percent. Like barring barring Yusuke's terrible humor. Logics definitely showed some movie star riders level performance there. So that was that was a nice kind of return to form for him. And I hope he I hope he continues.
So let's yeah. talk about the Toronto Defiant then. We'll just we'll skip around these matches in no particular order. But since we're talking about them already, uh, Toronto Defiant walk away 1-0, defeating Paris Eternal in the uh, opening match. I think this was one of the matches where the odds were actually technically against the Toronto Defiant. So Paris Eternal were favored to win if you're... <laughs> making any of that esports money on the side uh, okay. this weekend, <laughs> but ended up going 3-1. I know, Yiska, Yiska, you and I on day one were one map off yep. mm-hmm. the whole day. So um, the same map, by the way. But we have to be nice because Baroy's in the chat, I think. But how did you feel about mm. the Toronto Defiance debut going up against the Paris Eternal? I think they matched up well in general. It's also um, there's some questions in terms of Paris uh, preparation towards that. I'm not sure if they and I'm not saying I have any leaks. It's just weird that with which tanks they arrived there. Um, I'll also say that uh, I felt like on top of everything and I might be like simplifying or having too much of a simplistic view on this, but it seemed like they were playing around um, Reaper flanks a ton uh, in terms of like on the maps that they chose Reaper, which was actually quite a bit. And um, only really then on GCP was uh, Paris able to read that accurately. I would say uh, FD God did an, um, a great job shutting down these flanks very often, but it's it's also then like there was a lot of pressure i felt also on the front line constantly uh, especially like that arc i can world win uh push comes to mind by the way great shatter from um from beast on uh on defense to just like seconds because or like half a second before he got frozen he hits a fat shatter there and giving them the chance to uh win that map so easily so um i think fd.god did the, his best to keep Shorefur off but ultimately, like just like the the pressure, and also maybe Paris having a little bit mispositioned on the tanks in that particular instance on the last fight, just like didn't give them the opportunity to do that there. But yeah, in general, I I feel like um, they were definitely the more cohesive team, in terms of strategy, in terms of just uh, having an idea what to do. They uh, seem to have creative game plans, as mentioned on the um on uh, horizon um also i don't think anyone ran anything remotely similar to them giving i i mean okay let's talk about this as well because just because you see a team play a um a comp that for the for the first time doesn't necessarily mean that they invented it it is possible that they scrim one of or a different team that came up with it and they just adapted or like for instance um i think a lot what had happened this weekend is actually on the shock in in many ways uh, and them disseminating that into the scrim universe if you want if you may so um yeah kind of definitely interesting kind of sad that we only saw them once um I would have liked to see just like how they match up in terms of matchups when um, when it's not. Sh- I think uh, so. Paris basically against them was a lot of XCI show as well as FT God. 
I would have wondered what would happen if um, if there was a team that maybe had more cohesion and also was better at sh shutting down these flanks on um, on some maps where they played Reaper. So, kind of sad that we didn't see them uh, play again. I'm not sure when we do. Do they have a match next week? I'm not sure. But, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think... Um I think Beast redeemed himself a little bit. His first two maps were really shaky, especially on Reinhardt. I think he definitely turned around on Winston, played better. But he missed three of his first four shatters, like, pretty awfully. Um, and so I am I think for me, I'm, I'm most worried. If I'm, like, a Toronto Defiant fan, I'm worst, most worried about if Reinhardt continues to be a must-pick, having him on that. I think he played better. But this is also against, you know, these teams are both in bottom seven-ish, let's just say, at least where we've had them before. And I think that mm. they still are probably right around there from what we know and the teams that we've seen so far. Mm. So I, I, I get even more worried once we're like, what does that look like against even an LA Gladiators, right? Where um, I think they're yeah, going to get even been interesting. more punished. True. So, yeah. But I don't want to be too hard on Beast. I think, especially on his Winston, I thought he played really well. Um, we especially saw that on on Village in, um, yeah, on Village in what Nepal, right? Mm. Some bust out the Winston. I think that was the first time where he finally switched over to Winston and looked a lot better, looked a lot cleaner. So, um, yeah. yeah. Should I we? Should we want to highlight? The, yeah. the use of Ana here. I think this is obviously the first match yes. where we got to see a lot of the, the support picks. Um, we did get to see on that Horizon match a little bit of a uh, Calyx flex support, um, which wasn't wasn't fantastic. But again, I think it's more of a simplistic thing where you can stand back, apply discords, you know, be very safe, shoot from a distance. You have a ton of space to work with, especially when your tanks are jumping from the rafters and immediately fighting them in choke. So there's really not a ton of threat. And obviously Paris doesn't have a diva to kind of just flank around and try to assassinate you. But Ana in general was kind of surprising and how much it was picked and how much True. Um, people are uh, kind of going on shoulder content and saying it's like very, very good right now. You know, super, super strong. We are seeing certain teams um, deviate away from it a little bit. Some teams are running a little bit more Moira. I think on Control Center on Li Jong, we're seeing a lot more Baptiste. But on a play in general, I would say is is kind of kind of a, a, a quite a big spectrum with some overperformers and some people just really not finding any value on it. And I think I'd have to go back and look, but I wasn't super impressed with Kareev when you compare him to a lot of the other supports that we saw this weekend, um, as much as we bag on him with the whole roll stars meme, when you compare him to someone like Jonak, yeah, I mean, I, th I think the difference is night and day, but there again, it's Jonak, right? So it's, it's yeah, tough yeah. to say <laughs> unreal kid, but it's, unreal. it's there. There's so it's difficult to be able to find those nades. And the fact that you're not having to nade into a diva, I've got to imagine that, we could have sure. saw a little bit more value out of that and and i didn't we saw some sleep darts which i have to give him credit for but mm -hmm. uh so far not not really that impressed i, uh, I that's a lot of shields i don't know to work around with ana too like i i agree with you and i think when we talk yeah. about paris a big thing we'll have to talk about is uh smex not being there to to run that oh, off tank role and how much 
of that ended up being, you know, could Paris have beat Toronto Defiant with Smacks, right? Like, I don't know. I don't think so, but I think it creates a, a new discussion for sure of, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to run double main tank and I think they did it mm. admirably. I think that's probably the big reason why they did it. Um, if I had to imagine that this isn't some sort of like visa or some sort of like punishment thing, I've got to imagine that like Ryan Arisa for a team that has like a new coaching staff, a new roster that's kind of, you know, still struggling with the communication barriers. We want to just like make things as simple as possible. And I think the Ryan Arisa really is, is very cut and dry. The wind conditions are super generic. You just kind of run at people, you halt them in, everybody kind of just collapses on a target and then you play from there. Obviously, it's it's you know generally more nuanced depending on the map, but I think that's a, a pretty accepted win condition for this this composition. And I think for this team where it's at right now, I think it fits. Um, I would like to see more flex tanks, obviously played, um, but in general, with what they played on King's Row in their in their Sunday match with the Sigma, which I still am questioning. I still think it's pretty similar though, where it's, it's a lot of shield pressure. It's a lot of just forward aggression. You're being super proactive, which p puts people on the back foot. Um, and that's, that's kind of a straightforward approach. It's not super about rotations. It's not flanking. This isn't NYXL's King's row. Um, and I think that's fine per, for Paris at the moment, but I want to see them evolve throughout the season. I don't so want to see this, you know, come week 10. So you think not having Smex there was an intentional decision? I think so. If I'm going to be completely honest, if this, uh, I don't think so. I, I I think there's there's some legs to that. I think it's it's it could be a strategic choice. I'll say. Um, to me, like Ben Best being told to play Sigma 24 hours before he had to. <laughs> to know, Smex tweet also just doesn't read about something where. You know, like I don't know if it was a visa issue or maybe just a travel thing or just like a XQC and World Cup thing where he had to do something else before he it could wasn't make it visa, there. But uh, yeah, v like Avala during the uh, press conference said it wasn't visa. But there's a, a plethora of things where we don't uh, or of explanations where we don't have to go all drama. Oh, what what is what is you 100%, know? It's, it's just right. like his sister gave birth or like he wasn't feeling well or totally. like you know like just like but that's but that's where it's weird to stuff me. that happened in life where it's just like you don't want to talk about it necessarily sure uh in in a press conference but like it doesn't have to be drama so uh, also i'm not sure like felt circumstance smex is like yeah smex to me is like Either it really, really matters because he pops off, or it really, really doesn't matter because he's like he's a very inconsistent player to me. Mm. I mean, we're on, we're on the Paris Eternal, so we mm -hmm. might as well just keep talking about them a little bit. They they fell to the Toronto Defiant, who we just talked about. Then they defeat the London Spitfire three to zero, and I think that was probably the most surprising result of nice. the entire weekend. Uh, I mean. We should probably talk a little bit more than about that London Paris game. And I don't know, try, try and dissect what happened here. I mean, um, there's, I mean, there's a lot, I think it was FD God. I think this is, this is definitely the match where FD God really, I think popped off 
And then kind mm-hmm. of everybody got on the FD God train after that, especially after Sanctum on Nepal, right? Where he ha- was just kind of insane. He was shutting down Glister on his own <laughs> in <laughs> King's Row, which is just dumb. Those those EU Lucios make Yiska proud, I think. Um, True. You know. Actually the best in the world. So... I mean, let's let's talk about Paris Eternal as a whole, but let's try to use London as kind of a little bit more of the scope since we've, I think, talked a bit about Toronto Defiant. In that, what, what do you think made them so difficult to deal with for uh, the London Spitfire? FD God, obviously, I think being one. I think they they kind of started off on the wrong foot. I think Paris, obviously, without Smacks, that's what they showed on Saturday. And then coming into Sunday, you kind of have to expect the same. Uh, maybe not the same style, maybe not the same picks, and and obviously that deviated. But you've got to assume that they're going to be running double main tank. And it didn't seem like London came prepared for that, and they got absolutely smashed. And that's exactly what Paris wants to do: is just run in, get you. And get you out and and kind of in your own head early with this very kind of rush down team composition, right? Like we just run at you. FD God pops off. He clutches a couple fights. They're up one zero, like convincingly. So then they go into King's Row and then they're throwing another weird pick at them with Sigma. I think at that point, especially with how J Mac was playing, and and again, I don't think he's yeah. a fantastic main type by any means. Um, but they didn't look good. Um, and I and I talked about this, you know while we were watching, but I think during that halftime, you started to see more of a game plan come in from the coaching staff, Agape and Bavane trying to, you know, get these players on the same page because what we saw from Toronto that really did, did work against Paris' style is using the diva and the Reaper. So the Reaper TP's in the diva kind of babysits him. And then they kind of pincer. We didn't really, we, we weren't seeing Bernard consistently help Glister on that. And that's why FD got kind of just was smothering him the entire time. And that's why they couldn't really get a lot of pressure. Then you start to see JMAC get walled off. It was, I think it was just a breakdown. Um, I'm not one to just immediately run to tilt, but I think that would, that would be one of the games where I think you just completely throw your hands up yeah. and nobody was expecting this. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Let's just try to run the game plan. JMAC's feeding. Like, what, what do we do? Right. What do we do? Yeah, I also think uh, Bernard did probably a better job of shutting down Nene than uh, he was able to with XCI. It felt like he, um, like they didn't really. I would have to look at it again, but I feel like this is one of those instances where a player or like a group of players doesn't understand an interaction that's been thrown at them uh, in terms of like. Um, so, f- for instance, let's let's take a hypothetical. If if the focus target is suddenly a different one, your um, your ability usage should be different, uh, f- not just for the player that is being focused, but for everyone. And if you don't have an answer for that in the moment and have never seen that, I feel like this is where um, where uh, London is very vulnerable to. It's also that I think whatever proper play in this meta is it felt like nyxl was playing that again it felt like london understood proper play in terms of like okay we're playing a bunch of like the standard 
with Anna, with um, a bunch of McCree, a bunch of Reaper, but always the main, whatever. They understood the rules of that, and once those rules were broken and there was a Moira in the mix, it's like, mm, okay, so what's different here, right? And I think um, this is just expected for Rosta this young and for a meta this early. So um, it's also just like that. that's something for the replay viewers. I think a typical match where the performance delta between London playing New York and London playing Paris was definitely noticeable. And, 100%. Um, we're going to see... Sorry, all I was going to say is I think you, you also might see a case of a team that's that plays up and plays down rather than plays consistently. Mm. Um, they, they really played up to NYXL, um, but you really just didn't see that from Paris Eternal at all. They played down. There was, you know, discussions about overconfidence and that I think uh, XZI uh, was a little bit, uh, a little bit of a question mark. I, I don't think teams fully expected him to perform as well as he did. Uh, but, and I think combined with, you know, Glister largely being shut down for most of it. And Jade, I'm sorry. I watched as much as I could of LG Huya to, to get a read on J Mac. And I thought his Arisa was fine, but, um, on anything else, it was kind of feeding <laughs> and I, it did, it didn't translate well, I think to, to the overwatch league either. So, um, I got to give credit to Nico there, um, especially in that NYXL matchup. I think things went sideways really quickly with a lot of those walls from either team, whereas Nico in Paris really forced him to fight into chokes, walled him out and then just abused him. Like, I, I think that's probably more a credit to him rather than jmac just feeding and again i think he performed very very badly um so i won't defend him there but i think on top of him having a bad performance and nico playing very very well or paris just having like the right game plan to set him up for success um yeah i think a lot of that or a lot of that should go to nico let's go to our match of the week let's yeah. talk about the la gladiators here la gladiators coming in um we Said this is going to be a match of the week, and not a lot of people agreed with us. Actually, if you looked at the YouTube comments, they uh, <laughs> they're like, "No way, Valiant versus Fuel is going to be match of the week. It's going to be way closer." We're like, "No, no, 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 that's not going to yeah. happen." Uh, this was a really fun match to watch, I think overall. But from the Gladiators' perspective, we saw Bird Ring. Coming in, we didn't see Mirror right away. We didn't see OGE right away. Joe, what do you think about like the overall Gladiators roster strategy against the Vancouver Titans? Um, I'm still kind of thinking about that myself. I think it might be kind of a long term, at least at main tank, a long term strategy where they're trying to make a, a rotation. They're trying to keep people invested into the team and and kind of try to keep everybody's morale high give everybody a little bit of playtime. maybe file you know cloudy into more of a ryan specialist role where og comes in on you know maps that favor dive like horizon like dorado where you can kind of play these these off styles and, and more you know flexible styles where cloudy's probably going to be the ryan specialist and play on reinhardt maps at least that's what i'm hoping because if not then i worry about this trade if you think back to the offseason dallas and 
gladiators traded decay and OG. And if OG's just not seeing playtime for whatever reason, and you gave your potential superstar mm. to Dallas and we see what he's capable of now, I, I gotta, I gotta really scratch my head on that one. So I do think it's going to be a rotation. Um, was pleasantly surprised with bird ring. Yes. Cloudy, um, started pretty poor. I will say first sub maps, especially, and then the rest of control definitely got his, got his stuff together. Looked much better. There's the shatter and then right kind there. of the big shatter up on trying. Boom. Kind of fell off towards the end though. I think yep, I when, agree. when it came to game five, it didn't look great again. So I think it's a team that can kind of come in and grow towards the, the mid and towards the end of the season. I expected them to do a whole lot more flexing. Um, didn't see that. So I was kind of disappointed and on the offset to Vancouver's credit, they were the team to be doing a lot of flexing. They were the team to be kind of using their own style of play. So that was something I didn't see coming and, you know, hats off to them for, for kind of pulling that out. So that was definitely a, a, a monkey wrench into my plans. If you watched our prediction show. So, any thoughts definitely on nothing that great? Any thoughts on Mirror and his debut? Uh, I think I need to see a little bit more. Same. Um, so far, so good. I think his McCree it didn't stand out on, as poor. Yeah. Oh, definitely not poor. No, no, it, no, definitely, no, definitely like, yeah. good, but I think it was more of like the position on the map that was like really, really good for him. Um, but all, all in all, like a good first showing. I just want to see a little bit more. You know, come come mid season, I think we'll have a better read on exactly what this roster is, especially if they're going to be rotating people in and out. Are you still bearish on your gladiators kind of flirting around 12? Um, I think, I think I, I don't know. I'm hesitant to kind of rely on that or go back to it and like, Oh, look, I got it right. Haha. <laughs> it's because it's Vancouver. Like this was going to be a match that wasn't going to be able to just be be projected from power rankings like if there was going to be an upset i kind of painted it as gladiators you know being the more flexible team fighting against the more rigid you know brute force team and we didn't see that play out exactly but they still kind of put up a show and they they took it to gladiators or they took it to vancouver rather pretty pretty you know took them to game five so that's not definitely not something to slouch on but we'll see. I'm not. Uh, I'm not ready to just move them up and and you know the projections just yet. But great for showing. I, I'll give them that 100. percent Am I the only one that th thought Vancouver was just styling for a lot of this no. series? Like they played a bunch of seemingly you know suboptimal comps. Whatever Huxley makes it work. But then to bring in like the the substitutes that that's like oh yeah. You're going to do that here? Like, I don't think you need to play Stitch ever. Like, Sumansu should just like be your starter. It, like, it's it's actually crazy how much are, of a are step we, up. Are we is. breaking out the sandbags? Are we making excuses? No, they're just like trying to put on a show. I don't think they care that much. Like, a roster like this knows they are going to make playoffs. There's no way. Like, I think if they hold it together and everything like that's just a playoff team right so i think they just wanted to pull on a show they don't necessarily hunt a perfect score they actually never really did even last season oh 100 like, if you're if you're smitten with your perfect season you don't style as much as you, as they actually did um bringing out that was 
Right, they brought up Jaehong, right? Up on uh, Hanamura. Don't and then do he immediately that pack up his stuff. I mean, they, he won his map, but uh, like... Also he got his just, quota, he go back and, you know, he's out early. set up his own mouse, he has to borrow somebody else's. And I mean, Twilight also just like incredible series again. Um, yep. it, no reason to play him. Um, it, yeah, I, th I feel like this was a 60% serious uh, match for the Valiant, uh, but Valiant for, for the Vancouver. Like I sixty percent is low, but like eighty yeah, percent serious. I would say I don't think it was so much styling and putting on a show as much as it was maybe feeling out the space a little bit. What can we do? Like LA Gladiators are a serious not serious enough opponent where you can give them some different looks. Throw dive mm. in there. You're like, you know what? Let's just let Haxel f and see what happens. But um at the same time, like I think that if the if the sorry, if the Titans ever felt that they're their ability to win the match was in jeopardy. You, I think, immediately see them snap back into, you know, as you just said, a much more rigid play style, something that, you know, work, putting in your best players on their best heroes mm. in, you know, their version of the best meta or their best version of the meta. And we would see them go from there. But I don't know if it was so much styling. I like, I think yeah, of I like, a, we're, since we're using UFC references, you know, when a UFC fighter gets in the ring, they're feeling out the space at first and you're kind of feeling out, um, seeing sure. what they can do. And I think a little bit of that is just like, hey, match number one, let's feel it out. Let's see how it goes. We don't feel super at risk here. I think 80, 85% is probably a lot like closer. Of Probably. Of, yeah. It's probably 50. 60 is just like dumb. It's definitely not the case, but 80, 85% yeah. serious is totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I yeah, go ahead. Another thing I wanted to mention with Glads, or maybe no, it, it was more on Titans. You know, we we saw Stitch kind of pop up with with Valiant. Um, so I think in a, in a way, like we're seeing with Toronto, like we're seeing with Glads, like we're seeing with Vancouver, I think teams you know are planning for the long haul. They're planning to kind of, kind of keep people you know fresh. They want to get them playtime as much as it might not be optimal. They want to start off the season with high morale rather than just, you know, we're just going to try and win every match. We want to try and keep players bought into the system all season long. Stitch again might be more of their somber player rather than Somensu. So it's, I, I don't know if it's styling or if it's just like trying to play the long game. Um, I'm not ready to just write them off just yet. Whereas last season, you know, map four comes out, you know, we've already won the match. Let's just, you know, let's gun Genji, right? Like that's sure. obviously styling this. I got to give him a little bit more credit. Fair. Let's, let's talk about the Dallas fuel. So Dallas fuel are a team that I think people are higher on than last year, but still very skeptical that a, um, a team that has put a lot of resources into the former envious core, uh, can, using what they have left and getting whatever players that they can uh, be a real contender this year. But we did get to see Doha and Decay. And I think uh, Decay especially stood out. Uh, Doha, I mm -hmm. think, was great as well. Uh, don't get me wrong. But I think a lot of it, again, has to do with just like the spectator POV. I, for, I'm not as good at watching uh, video live as you are and analyzing. Mm -hmm. I need to go back and watch from different views. I can't be like... 
oh, I'm watching Decay's point of view right now, but I'm thinking about Doha. I'm just bad at sure. I'm just bad at that. So, but Decay definitely stood out. Um, kept the match kind of uh, close against the LA Valiant. I think we could talk about the shock later on, but um, I mean, it's kind of the Decay show here, Yiska. I think. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to downplay Doha's performance because I think. Like, legitimately, this looked like a contender for a top five, perhaps top three DPS line in the Overwatch League. Of course, we still gotta wait. There's a lot of Overwatch to be played. It's just like, in terms of, like, if they could play like this every weekend, they're close to that. And uh, especially Decay, like, that was just like a, like a nuts performance. Probably the most impressive player that weekend. I, I think. I think I, if they did like a player of the weekend, like they do a player oh, of the week in NFL, weekend. he would, he would definitely be up there. I would have to really think about it more, but the K was yeah. nuts. I guess Case P is another one to mention. Like it's, yes. it's also, yeah. I don't know. Let let me bring up that tangent later on, but um, or not tangent, but that point. Um, but I th- I think generally like. Just like his hero pool as well, but the McCree was just like insane. Like X Very XZI good. was already nuts. Mm-hmm. The K put like another ten percent on that, and just like un indomitable, you know. Like, um, and he deserved better that weekend, honestly, mm-hmm. than the results he got. And yeah. and that's exactly kind of how I hoped this Dallas Fuel lineup would go. I didn't know they were getting Crimson, right? Well, that was a pretty late addition. But when you look at Doha and you look at their contenders played, you look at Decay over his breath of playing Korea. This kid has the potential to be a superstar in this league. And the fact that Dallas got him is a highway robbery. Like that is insane that a bottom like five bottom half team, wherever, however you want to peak them, was able to kind of secure this kind of talent blows me. That that just mind-blowing i mean uh, to be fair i think that is not the most nuts thing in terms of like big big solid or amazing player uh, transfers because dallas has the money what is actually nuts is ksp going sure and ksp was 95 percent 90 like within uh, Decay's range over that weekend. Big reason why why they actually won that series. Nuts player, like Bench tweeted about it. How ridiculous that steal was. I saw some some feedback towards that point. Like, well, mm. who would really be upgraded by that? Like, a lot of them already have nuts. Like, twelve up to twelve or fifteen teams would be upgraded by having KSP. And like the, also, the he's been reason, doing that reliably. Like, 100%. You go whenever. back to Samsung, you watch him just pop off on Hitscan. But that's my distinction with this. Decay can flex around and do a lot of different things and a lot of different heroes. KSP is very much kind of like a Hitscan specialist. True. Is he great at Hitscan? 100%. And teams yeah. really should have been looking at this contenders was... a whole lot more. And scouting definitely needs to be upgraded because the fact that he's kind of slipping through the cracks and you're already kind of, you're, you know, you're in the off season, you're, you're, you're trying to parse out the meta, you're trying to figure it out. And if Hitscan's being played, why is he not a go-to, at least as a specialist? Yeah. Doesn't make much sense to me, right? 
but that's where I go to decay. He can, he's going to be a starter on this team throughout the entire season. And I'm sorry, traditional yeah. sports fans, especially football fans, but I'm kind of worried that Dallas is going to Andrew luck, their DPS lineup. I, I hope that they don't just run them into the ground and abuse them and make them retire very early. Hopefully I got that right. Files, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think too, it's, it's really easy. And I think if anybody was, uh, styling this weekend, I think it was a San Francisco shock. It's a team that came in with almost no practice and just kind of like threw together the greatest hits kind of thing. But the Dallas fuel were one fight away and one fight that they had appeared to have won away from taking, uh, the shock to map five. On Oasis. Yeah, barring, you know, a, a like pixel perfect nano placement into a, you know, an, an impeccable shot from from uh striker there towards the end of that map. Yeah, they they easily could have taken this to map five. They take control, you know, things things look a lot different if that that one play does not happen exactly as it was supposed to. Mm. Yeah. I mean it's it, it was pretty He's on a flank. He's about to shoot him. He gets the nano. He turns. He flex. He shoots him. Yeah, yeah, the plays yeah, dead. Nice. Right, like that was insane. Mm. But that's the type of stuff that makes shock championship caliber. Sure, they can pull yeah. that out at a moment's notice. It's not that they're turning the switch on, but they're always capable of doing these things. We saw a lot of stylistic changes. Seeing a bit more um, main support on Brig. Weirdly enough, on Havana. So they're trying some different things. I really don't know if Architect is styling. I don't know if, it, if that's where we were going with this, but I, I hesitate on that one. I don't know if that if one's styling uh, or if my, he's actually I sick. was more being okay. hyperbolic in the sense of if, if a team was styling this week, it I think it was them, yeah. much more likely the yeah. San Francisco Shock than it was the Vancouver Titans. You know, Sinatra going out and just being like, I'm going to go Doom. And Trust that might have been a great choice, yeah. but mm. you know, it, at the end of the day, they're 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 confident they're coming in you know it's dallas you know haha bottom five i don't i really don't know if people were expecting decay and doha to be this good especially when you look at you know doha especially like you can i think people there's more buy-in with decay just because we've seen you know a ton of different play from him across different metas but doha was kind of just a, a sombra player for a lot of people and and he showed he's got a doom he's got a junk you know he's he's flexible he can be used on these different maps and and on, on different heroes, so I, I don't think Dallas is is a is a is a team that you can just completely sleep on, especially with two absolute studs at DPS. The rest of the team, I think yeah, Crimson. Kind of actually, I was gonna say I wanted to say I think Crimson performed well considering like on a, on a new on a new squad. I gotta go back. It was it, my mind was just on Decay and just watching him drag this poor team kicking and screaming across the line and and to some map victory. So. That's a map viewer for me. I gotta, I gotta go back and, and actually look at the rest of Dallas because in my in my summation, this was the DPS show. Fair enough. Let's uh, let's discuss the Boston Uprising really quick. Uh, expectedly, uh, do we have to by NYXL three oh. But I, but I, I have a few. I, I just I think there's one big question here. I think the Boston Optimists. Uh, we're looking at Myung and Swimmer to really make an impact early on. <laughs> Do you feel that they did that in this 03? I didn't see it personally. I don't want to so say that they performed poorly. Um, I don't know if Yunbung performed poorly, but it's again, it's so hard to just like remove the blinders. And that's again, something that we're going to have to review. 
if I had to guess, and again, I was kind of just more, you know, uh, blinded by the fact that we're taking duels with, you know, an MVP caliber flex support and losing and and just, you know, these these massive just misplays, like botch plays left and right. Granted, it's day one. You can excuse yada, yada, yada. That's not something that's not that's not a good thing. That's not a good uh, foot to start off on. Um, and it's hard to look good. Uh, it, it, there's really no way to, to, to mince words there. Like it's, it's difficult for a flex support to look good when your team is that bad. So can we see more? We're going to have to kind of sift for gold with him and, and I'm sure he's doing fine and the best he can, but it's, it's tough to stand out after this weekend. Are they still your 20th place team? Sure. They sure are. <laughs> they certainly NY are. Excel isn't a very good litmus test, but no, <laughs> no, it's God, not they were bad. All right. Well, we might as well go talk about NYXL next then, huh? A, a bit more interesting, yes. Yeah, so uh, New York <laughs> Excel's here. I think we're really fun. Look at Big big Boss Pine coming out. Tell me you didn't get amped. See Pine oh, coming out, we, waving yeah, Can we just flag. applaud Anbox for putting on, and I think it was uh, Adam Apicella's company, former MLG employee, that kind He's of put on the whole event. Me. Yeah. What an event. If that's like the pinnacle of homestands, that that's at the bar. If you can't cross that bar, I don't want yep. you in here. Like Everything start will. amp it up. I want I want more of this. This is this is yep. what's going to make the Overwatch League work. Not so much of Dallas, you know, coming out on stage. I think they did the bare minimum, but I want to see prepackaged shoulder content. I want more interviews. I want more, you know, stuff to play during halftime. This is this is the stuff you got. Chris Puckett amping up the crowd, having him cheer. Yep. Boston sucks. This that the other thing. I'd love to be there. That sounds like an event yep. I want to go to. Having Dallas line up on stage with some some CO2 cans, I don't know. Not so much. <laughs> That's what it was. At least last yeah. year they had fireworks. Like, where were the fireworks this year? I'm, I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. I, I heard back from, from people that were there, and they all said it was an amazing experience. Just like NYXL is just the gold standard of branding and doing everything professional in, in Overwatch. It doesn't get better. Like from providing uh, scrim opportunities for everyone to s hiring the right people to host the stand, to bring in cool personalities for the, the uh, like in Emong, in Pine, um, to the little, um, to the walkout with the little uh, logos running, like the photography beforehand with the hype trailer, like amazing hype trailer. Yep once again shown at that venue the media it's, team was it, incredible just everything there was amazing honestly and uh i hope that we get um get other t teams looking at this and going like okay we gotta pedal to the metal i can also also tell you esports engine will be busy this season in terms of like just being hired um, yep. of course that doesn't mean that because esports engine runs it it's going to be the same experience because i think there's a lot that antbox did on top of that stuff totally. that made it so great and um yeah in general like what a what a great homestand what a great Phenomenal. message too. can't 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 praise that enough yeah so let's let's talk about the the actual matches then and i think uh one of the big standout performers on this one, and I don't think Joe wants to admit it, or Yiska, honestly, was Hotba on D.Va. No? 
No, it's, it's fine. No, you don't want to admit it, or no, you don't think he played that well? I think he played good. I just think we're completely judging this off of the bombs. <laughs> I, I, if, give me give me an argument, not, not pointed at you, John, but I, I want to see people really go in and look at Glister compared to Hotba. Did, did Glister have, or not Glister, I'm sorry, Bernard. I no, hundred percent. Bernard played fantastic Overwatch mm-hmm. throughout both of his series. Hot butt had some flashy bombs. Did he play good? hundred percent. You know, I'm not criticizing him, but I think his stocks shot way up off of some flashy plays. Mm-hmm. And we gotta ice that. We we calm down. He's good. Yes, hundred percent. But is he big boss pine? That's not even fair. We're we're I, doing a I, disservice I, to Pine. I also would love to place bombs against J-Mac. Whoa, sure, exactly. Dude. Isn't that great? Like, I'd also hate to be J-Mac's teammate a when, when a bomb is in the air. Jesus Christ. Point. Like, what, rewatch um, King's Row 3rd, where they, like, where, but uh, Bobble is just like, oh, please, bro. Please, please just please like, protect me. I don't want ice block. And, and he runs towards it, and J-Mac's just like, I'm safe. Like... And then he just pops and highly gets gets caught too, and that yeah. actually loses uh, that fight and ultimately puts um, uh, NYXL in the position to win that map. Like that map, it London was very very close to win, mm-hmm. to being up 2-0 against the NYXL, and um, yeah, I think Hotbar performed probably a little better than I would have anticipated, to be sure, fair. Totally. I don't I, think I that. I'm completely wrong in judging that. I think, for instance, Meko is a better off-tank than he is, yep. but he's definitely a more fun person to follow. I think we have to see, though, too, right? Like, you have Meko and Mono with so much... That, I mean, honestly, Meko with the entire team. Like, what does Hotbow mm-hmm. look like at mid-season, Right. Does he gel with this team even better? I I agree. I think if if anything, I don't think mechanically I had many issues with Hotba. No, um, it was a little bit more on like the synergistic sure. side. There just seems yes. to be some weird yes. timings on just kind of where he was in relation to the fights, and I don't think that that was necessarily a individual skill thing as much as it was a brand new team. We're finally on stage. We're in New York. I don't know if Hotba's been in a, a situation like that or not. Mm. There's a lot going on. There's, you know, it's just, I think, uh, but I do, I, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on Hotba than you guys are, but I'm also not going into my fantasy leagues and trading away my best diva player for, for Hotba just yet. You know what I mean? It, yeah, exactly. You know, but, yeah. I think again he I think he overperformed where the reasonable expectations the realist expectations were for Hoppa. Mm. Um the other person I wanted to ask about was who are you? And uh <laughs> I don't think this is it was be interesting. I I got I got some questions. I'm not sold on the whole who are you train. I I I question where Libero is. Um Libero's known sure. to have a very good May. Sure. Why is he not playing instead of, you know, who are you? Why isn't he not? Why is he not positioned alongside? Who are you? Why? Mm-hmm. Why is he not just playing over? Who are you? That's very weird to me. Um, and and to judge who are you's may, yes, I think he was more proactive to your point, but I think that's just NYXL's trying. They're trying to be more proactive. They're they're done with the whole 
you know, we want to be defensive. We want to be reactive. They have a new coaching staff. They have Hotba coming in. They want to be pressing forward. Go ahead. Go back and look at their Ryan Zaria performance, a composition that I don't think you can correct me if I'm wrong. We saw from any other team that was very much about positioning mono to just blitz through these walls, be okay with being split off, given giving him the resources to survive and brawl to survive to kind of get past these walls. Yes, who are you is more proactive, but I think the efficiency of these walls can be drawn into question. I think his he's he's out there playing ultimate frisbee with his alts. I I I got problems. I, I don't think that he's going to continue to perform if we and again, and it's a shame because hero pools come in and could potentially mess this whole narrative up. But I think as we see NYXL progress and if this meta was to to kind of maintain, I don't think he'd be very good. I think he'd probably be very serviceable on me. I, I don't. I'm not sold on this May performance. I need to see a little bit more to have a better feel. But that performance against London wasn't very good. I'm really hoping that they used a game against the London Spitfire, and then um, who did they play second? Why am I blanking out? Dallas, Boston, Boston, Boston. Sorry, Boston. yeah, yeah that, that's that's, that's exactly why you're so, weakened. So yeah. I like. I also don't wonder if like, hey, we brought in. New fresh blood. Possible. People are really Definitely. excited to see him in New York. Let's let him play. But you know, if it was if it was going to be an NYXL versus Titans or Gladiators, you know, teams that are arguably top ten plus, a shock. Sure. I don't wonder if you maybe do see more Libero. That's a that's a fair that's a fair point. I I definitely agree with that. Um, to NYXL's credit, though, especially going back to that Boston game, dude, Tabiol we had a sick pulse bomb. That pulse bomb in the corner didn't get a lot of kills, but if you watch everybody's health, so it just much plummets. Just so mm. much damage off the back of that. Look like a stud. Look like Apex days. You know, I, it was it was pleasant to see a lot of the old heads kind of come back in and show that they still have it. It was nice to see you know Bird Ring. You know, look like old Ring. Um, it, it was it was nice to see generally. So also, sorry, go ahead, Joe Neck. Oh my God! He's Unfortunately, good. a lot of his nuts plays happened off cam, or not off cam necessarily, but definitely away from the attention of the crowd and the observer. Like people didn't realize that he single-handedly won King's Row by sleeping Bernard in a way where he boosts mm-hmm. and Jonak sleeps him, and he just like gets uh, like he's boosting over the edge. The, yeah, yeah. It, on on King's Row last, and he just drops down. It's like immediately dead. He boosts the right targets. Honestly, Mano was kind of feeding by overextending into that super. Jonah clutched the hell out of this. Then, like when when you think, okay, Mano is kind of in deep trouble. Suddenly, there's a four man bionate just like putting a stop to anything like that. It's just like, well, we could go hard for Mano, but we could also absolutely f- lose four people. Uh, towards that here, sleep dots, Mwah. like amazing. Didn't die unnecessarily often. He had a couple. Like every player has just like two or three a match. Like things where you go, eh, okay. But otherwise, Jesus Christ, is that kid still absolutely nuts? Like, yep. yeah, Jonak played great. I think Sabi Olby was nice to see him again. Even though, again, observing him on Tracer is. Not for the faint. I needed some Dramamine after that one. Um, 
Let's talk about, I think, probably one of the biggest surprises, though, and then we got to get out of here. And now, and I don't even think it was a surprise for anyone here on the show, uh, but I think generally the community was really surprised. The L.A. Valiant yep. uh, walk away one and one this weekend, defeat the Dallas Fuel, lose to the Paris Eternal. Do I have that Bangor right? Or am I, did nope. I? Titans. Nope. Is that right? They played That's, Dallas and then lost to Titans. Titans. Lost thank you. Titans. Sorry. I don't yep. know why. Okay. My co-host didn't proofread <laughs> my, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, they played really well this weekend. A lot of questions surrounding the roster. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, they came, they came out swinging, I guess. Speaking it's of the <laughs> blaming the co-host, you guys know it's my fault. It's fine. God damn gig. Jeez. Yep. Gig. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oh my God! Talk about feast or famine. This team, and to be fair, Gravy did have a very good series this this weekend for him was was a great showing. But there were some moments where I'm just like, "What are y'all doing?" Especially on Lee Jong, I think it was against Vancouver. It's last fight. It's like 99 Vancouver to like 92 Valiant Vancouver. Uh, I think Vancouver is 92. They they have point control. They're ticking up. Valiant's attacking. And I don't know if he felt he needed to go onto the point and touch, but his team goes across the bridge on gardens and he flies through the window and just gets yeah. demacked immediately and dies like completely feast, feast or fam in this, this series. I'll, I'll also say like a, has anyone seen Freggy sh completely shaved? Are we sure that's not, you know, a possibility because that some of that was this weekend was big fraggy energy. Like, of course, some miscommunication stuff. Like, I remember on Blizzard World, they're all sitting on, on top on first on defense, and he just, like, drops earlier, and nobody's really, like, uh, ready for that, and he just, like, dies. And I think that's just an obvious miscommunication. They're probably not on him. It's also always the question, like, when it made him go this hard, um, who's wrong here, right? But, I, I mean... I feel like, holy, like that's an aggressive boy. And I wonder if, um, because they of course also have a second uh, main tank, if that's the more defensive choice or whatnot, but we'll see. Like definitely a non-cowardly performance. Oh, definitely. I mean, <laughs> I think the, the broadcast showed it where he gets nanoed on Li Zhang on gardens and charges across the pond and then mouse ones all the way back through white room to his team on point. Like you shouldn't be allowed to get away with that. It's fine. Yeah. You know, whatever Vancouver did, but it can't be doing that. That's, that's not the play. Like yeah. aggro is one thing. Yes. Yeah. I think proactivity is good. And I think generally in terms of strategy, you always want to be the one setting the pace of the match, but this was, Oh, this was, this was, you know, this was all gas, no brakes. This is rough. That, that, that's, by the way, like the, the nano interaction. I think that that's actually quite interesting how in the future, if this, like for the next couple of weeks until we get that meta break, mm. how teams in that uh, ice skating combat are going to be using their nano because mm. it goes between um, using it offensively, of course, like on, mm -hmm. in, in specific uh, situations, but also just like giving uh, like the main tank, even though he won't be swinging, swinging, 
just like a a nice like resistance buff totally. and using it quite def- defensively and i'm not sure if that always necessarily was like the intention or if it's just a miscommunication and the the ryan couldn't realistically be expected to swing here because of uh how far how deep he is into being frozen or whatnot or where his hp is or whatever but um yeah generally it's uh it, that's an interesting interaction we'll have to figure out and then of course it completely changes once we introduce genji's here and there but totally. in terms of like okay what what happens in that repatriation comp um mm-hmm. with diva ryan like who gets it right and that's that's going to be interesting how that develops. I think it's a super flexible alt that will ultimately be dependent on the teams. I think when you look at Toronto, you saw them nanoing the Reaper on the engage. Didn't get a lot of value, but I think there's probably reasons why that happened. Maybe misplays mm. on the front line, this, that, the other yeah. thing. And then you look at Valiant where they're they're nanoing Gravy uh, down one man. They're nanoing May on some fights. Like It's, it's very flexible. They're, you're seeing teams be reactive. You're seeing teams uh, be a little bit more proactive with it. I think it's going to come down to the style. I don't think it'll just be like a, a rigid, like this is how you use this all. It'll just be how, how and where you're using your resources. So before we get out of here, cause we, we do need to, we're going off like full yeah. long on this one. Uh, we, I do want to talk about McGravy and KSP because sure. I think both of them had uh, mention worthy performances. KSP, Yiska, you said probably, um, one of two top candidates for like a player of the week type thing. If we were ever to do that, a mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. huge debut with the Valiant played really mm-hmm. well, kept games really close. Um, what stood, I think what, what really stood out for you with, with KSP, especially against a team like the, the Vancouver Titans where, you know, they're, it's going to be a tough one. For KSP, it's like he just like sometimes strings frags together where it's it's not like so some players are just like good at getting picks and putting you up and giving you like that 20% win boost. KSP is like I'm going to string and I'm going to single-handedly either bring back this fight or win you this. And in terms of that, also like it's it's kind of interesting that um like that these contenders players just come in and like perform like like they were like XCI I'm looking at like KSP I'm looking at like these players they don't seem to be us- losing much tempo just playing at the highest level possibly because of the meta volatility at, at the moment but then honestly to me towards the McGravy point I'll tell you what I expected KSP to be nuts I didn't expect McGravy to be this good like i agree i don't know i i feel kind of bad for uh for undervaluing him but he had a great performance uh, especially against dallas so i um that gives that that makes me understand why i was entirely off judging this roster because i was like okay it's kind of a known quantity so what like where's that additional percentage coming from and a lot of it is mcgravy sure Joe, closing thoughts on McGravy and KSP. Uh, KSP is a stud, but I wouldn't be surprised if we just see less of him. So don't expect him to be a massive flex player if Hitscan kind of rotates out and it's not super uh, super valuable. I, I, I do worry that we might not see a ton of him. Um, but to that point, I would love to see them develop their own style and, and 
make him make him work because he can be a superstar if you give him the right tools. So is it a style thing? Can they develop their style or do they rotate him out and let apply uh, get in there and get some game time? So see. Well, that's going to do it for us. We went a little long in our first recap episode. We're going to probably, A, a welcome to Tactical Crouch, and B, <laughs> um, well, we'll figure out the format, I think, a little bit more as we continue to play around with it and um, all that. But thank you guys for hanging out with us. Hope you enjoyed it. Do definitely let us know, uh, whether you're in chat or watching on YouTube or listening, what you think about, A, the new format, B, uh, if you think the B-roll footage is helpful at all, because it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to gather, it's not impossible and it's not a ton of extra work. So I think it's worth it if people really like it. But if you don't really like it, audio listeners, this definitely doesn't apply to you. Uh, but if you don't really like it or don't find it valuable at all, let us know. Or what you want something different, because I, I can't totally plan around every like having every play on call. It's just not feasible at all, because uh, we do the show live. But... Um, yeah, we're just going to kind of keep doing it, playing it as it is. Next show will be on Wednesday. It'll be a preview for the upcoming homestand. And I don't even know what it is yet. I haven't even looked, but I, we're down I mean, to, we're going to Philly. We legitimately don't know what it is. I, 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 I assume we're just going to have one homestand. Yeah. I think it's four just matches next week. We've got Florida, Houston coming up. We've got Washington, Philly. We've got Washington, Houston. We've got Florida, Philly. So, uh, Interesting matches. I don't think they'll be completely as blowouty. Not so much three Overwatch. So uh, yeah, it'll be exciting. I think next home stand is gonna be good. Awesome. Um, yeah. Other than that, we are gonna get out of here. We do have one new patron, Keith R. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Welcome. We're gonna be doing a game night again soon. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Spencer, who invited me out to the shock. Uh, viewing party yesterday in in Campbell, and I got to meet with some of the shock people, and um, they a couple of them actually listened to the show and stuff, and we talked about maybe getting some shock people on the show in the future. Yeah, let's so, go, Brett. Come on yeah. the show, Brett. Right there we go, um, Andy. I'm see. I, I see you out there. <laughs> so, uh, but a huge shout out to Spencer. Thanks for for inviting me to that. Um, we ended up going there, then going out to. Really nice Italian place, just like right down the street from where it was for my birthday. I love seafood, and they had lobster ravioli. It was so good, mm, so that sounds good. good. Anyways, that sounds good. Um, besides that, uh, Joe, shout outs for the week. Where can people find you? Shout outs, uh, socials everywhere at Volmel V O L A M E L. I'm gonna be doing some video content. Hopefully, when these goddamn matches pop up on the replay viewer i'm gonna be breaking down some plays some some analysis some quick little things in the youtube uh just posted this week's or last week's alternate overwatch history where we uh go over what if the chengdu hunters uh got a little bit of gusha in their life so uh check that out and written content on gt until this week uh stay tuned awesome yiska what about you man uh you already know how it is like basically i Pretty much nothing else but Overwatch at the moment, and um, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to have a, a even more granular um, breakdown of the NOXL match against Salon Spitfire. I actually like that match a lot. Um, going to be uh, once again on GG Intel. If if you haven't, uh, give maybe the the defined and eternal recap 
a, a uh, read and then otherwise I'll like towards the middle of the week I'll probably distill uh, what kind of lessons and what kind of observations I made uh, over the weekend awesome well that's going to do it for us then we're going to go ahead and get out of here thanks again for watching and hanging out with us we'll be back Wednesday for another episode of Tactical Crouch till then see you next time and we'll be back with the post show <laughs>